Wow. Thank you, worship team, uh, so much for all that you do. Uh, the Lord has blessed you with the talent and ability to, um, to sing, and um, you use that talent and ability to honor and glorify the Lord, and we're so thankful for you. Uh, you did a great job today. I love that song, The Resurrected King is resurrecting me. The Bible says the same power that raised Jesus up uh, now lives in the believer, in the person, the Holy Spirit. And what a blessing that truly is. I ask you to take your Bibles this morning. Turn with me, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. And we're going to be looking, uh, first of all, at verses 1 through 8. Then we'll look at verse 14 through verse number 20. So turn with me, please, 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Um, and we'll get there in just a moment. Today we celebrate... Um, the historical fact that Jesus rose from the grave. Now, how many of you understand this morning that the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is a historical fact? It's not a fairy tale. It's not a fable. It's not just a story. It's historical fact that's backed up with eyewitness testimony. Let me share with you what I mean. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 1. Listen how the Apostle Paul puts this. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. So Paul says, I'm fixing to give you the gospel by which we are all saved. And he gives it to us really in a nutshell here. He says, If we keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins. Jesus died for our sins there at the cross according to the scriptures that he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Now listen to what he says. He says in verse 4, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, and after that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain in this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all he was seen of me also, as, as of one born out of due time. I love this verse. What Paul is saying is that the resurrection is historical fact backed up by eyewitness testimony. That's what we see here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul even goes as far as to say he was seen one time after his death, after his resurrection, he was seen alive by 500 people at once. Now think about that just a moment. Let's say that we took those 500 people that are on record to have seen Jesus after his resurrection, after he died on the cross, after he overcame the grave. If we took those 500 people that are documented and we gave them 10 minutes apiece just to share what they saw concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, we would have about 84 hours of eyewitness testimony to the fact that Jesus conquered the grave. Now that's an amazing thing. See, this is not a fairy tale and it's not a fable. It's historical fact backed up by eyewitness testimony. Not only does the Bible tell us that he was seen of about 500 at once, but it also says that Jesus, listen to me, appeared unto the disciples, unto the apostles. The word apostle actually means one who's seen Jesus alive in the flesh. And so the Bible tells us he appeared to Peter, he appeared to the rest of the apostles, James, and then to the apostle 
Paul. And man, what a powerful thing that is. Listen, it was through the testimony of the disciples, of the apostles, that the world was changed forever. The truth of the resurrection changed these men, and the truth of the resurrection changed the world. Let me show you what I mean. Take your Bibles, keep your place there in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and turn with me over to John chapter number 20. John chapter 20, when we pick up there, the Bible tells us that the disciples are locked in the upper room. The resurrection has just taken place there that first Easter Sunday morning. Mary Magdalene has seen the Lord, came back and told the disciples that he's alive, the tomb is empty. And then in verse number 19, look how the Bible puts it. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were Shut. Everybody noticed that. When the doors were shut. Why were they shut? Why were they locked? I'll tell you why. Because at this time, the disciples, fearing for their own life, are hiding in the upper room with the doors shut, with the doors locked, afraid that the same men who came and crucified Jesus would come after them next. The Bible tells us this. They were shut where the disciples were similar for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. Now I want you to think about this. The Bible says as the doors were shut, as the doors were locked, the resurrected Jesus came and stood in the midst. Now the Bible doesn't tell us that he unlocked the door or opened the door. The Bible simply says he came and stood in the midst. Let me tell you what that means. That means Jesus came through the door. I've heard it said that Jesus can open doors no man can open and Jesus can close doors no man can close that's true but let me go a step further according to the book of John chapter number 20 not only does he open doors and close doors he's also able to walk through doors that's my Jesus that's my Savior that's the resurrected Lord in his resurrected body unhindered by matter space or time what a blessing that truly is now I want to tell you something after the resurrection the disciples were changed forever. They go from being a scared bunch of men locked in the upper room for fear of the Jews to becoming the mouthpiece that God uses to preach the gospel all over the known world. The Bible says Peter stands up and preaches on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people get saved. God sends the precious Holy Spirit to indwell believers. The church is born and God begins doing a work that only God can do to, to, to share the world, share with the world who His Son is and what His Son has done. The message of the gospel. Now think about it. These men went from being scared to death to boldly proclaiming truth even though it cost them their lives. How many of you know, listen, the, all of the apostles, the original uh, followers of Jesus that saw him alive, all of them were martyred except for one. Only John died of old age. We know Peter to have been crucified upside down. Many of the disciples were beheaded. And, and listen, a time after time as they were preaching the gospel, sharing about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, the authorities would gather them together. They would arrest them. They would threaten them. They 
would persecute them. They would whip them. They would do all of these things and they would tell them, look, if you'll just shut up about Jesus, if you'll just quit preaching this gospel, then we're going to leave you alone. We're going to set you free. But listen to what Peter says in Acts chapter number 4. Acts chapter number 4, the Bible tells us that Peter and John, by the power of the Holy Spirit, healed a man that had been lame and laid at the gate of the temple. And then in verse number 12, Peter, while standing before the religious crowd, See, after God does the work, many times it's the religious crowd that comes against what God is doing. And that's what happens in Acts chapter 4. Caiaphas, the high priest, the same one who caused Jesus to be put on the cross physically, now is coming after the followers of Christ. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 4 and verse 10, with Peter standing before them, him and John, the Bible tells what they say. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doeth this man stand before you whole. So what Peter and John is doing is giving all praise, all honor, and all glory unto the mighty name of Jesus. It says it's because of Jesus this man was healed. This man is healed. And he goes on and says this, this is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the, of the corner. Verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Do you see the change? They go from being a scared bunch of believers locked in the upper room to standing before the same men that crucified Jesus, the ones who have the power to crucify them, and they say, Jesus, the one you crucified is the Lord of glory. Jesus is the only name given whereby men might be saved. Do you see the boldness? The Bible then says they threatened them and just told them, quit preaching this Jesus stuff. Look what the Bible says in Acts chapter 4, verse number 19. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. I love this. You know what Peter says? Peter says, you've got to decide for yourself what you listen to. I've got to decide what I speak. But as for me and John, we cannot help but speak what we know to be true, what we have seen with our own eyes and heard with our own ears. Even if it cost us our lives, we have to share what we've seen and what we heard. It's amazing. I've said before, I'll say it again, these men had a bad case of the can't help it. They couldn't help but talk about Jesus. But there's one thing we need in the church today, and we need a case of the can't help it. We need to get to the place where we cannot help but share what God has done in our lives personally. That's where Peter and John were. That's where we need to be if we're going to be an effective witness. So they go from being scared to death to being bold proclaimers of the truth. 
giving their lives for the gospel. It changed these men. The resurrection changed these men and it changed the world forever. You say, well, Brother Israel, you say it's historical fact. It may be historical fact in the Bible, but we would expect it to be historical fact in the Bible. I mean, it's sure the Bible's going to share about Jesus. The Bible's all about Jesus. Now listen, the Bible is a historical book and it certainly does proclaim the resurrection like we've read this morning. But do you know the, the Bible is not the only historical book that proclaims the truth of the resurrection. As a matter of fact, there are at least seven other extra-biblical sources that speak of the resurrection of Jesus. I'm talking about Jewish historians who lived in Jerusalem at the time. I'm talking about Roman historians who lived in Jerusalem at that time. And many of those men, seven of them at least, were sharing about what was going on in and around Jerusalem at the time Jesus lived, at the time Jesus died, and at the time Jesus resurrected, and they corroborate the story of God's precious word that Jesus rose again. Now remember, these are Jewish historians. They don't believe in Jesus as Savior. These are Roman historians. They don't believe in Jesus as Savior. They're simply just recording in that time what was happening? Listen, the resurrection is not a fable. The resurrection is not a fairy tale. The resurrection is historical fact based upon eyewitness testimony. And that changes everything. That changes it all. Now, what I fear many times that happens inside the evangelical church, the body of Christ, is that we emphasize the cross and we minimize the empty tomb. Now don't get me wrong, I'm all for emphasizing the cross. We're going to keep singing about the cross and preaching about the cross and we're going to keep sharing about the cross every chance we get. We're going to keep talking about the necessity of the cross, the person on the cross, and we're going to talk about the power in the blood as much as possible. I love Dr. Billy Graham. I heard a story about Dr. Graham years ago that still sticks with me today. I've heard that when Dr. Graham first began his ministry, he was preaching a revival service in Chicago, Illinois. He had been preaching for five days, Monday through Friday. On the last night of the revival, he stands up and preaches. God works and many people get saved. And after the service, a professor from a local college there in Chicago came to Dr. Graham and he said, young man, I want you to know I think you've got a future in the ministry. I think you're going to be very successful. He said, you're personable. People like you. You're preaching truth. You're doing a fine job. You've got a great speaking voice. He said, but if I could critique you just a little bit, I would tell you to stop saying so much about the cross. Stop saying so much about the blood in your message. For people see that as being gruesome and they don't like it. Dr. Graham looked at that professor and he said, sir, if I don't preach about the cross and I don't preach about the blood, then I don't have a message. And listen to me church if we don't continue to emphasize the cross and emphasize the power of the blood we don't have a message. So I'm all for emphasizing the cross. The apostle Paul said the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness but unto us who believe it is the power of God unto salvation. So if anybody's going to get saved if there's going to be power in our message power enough to save by the truth of the word and the power of the Holy Spirit, we must keep preaching the cross. So we're going to emphasize the cross, but we must not minimize the empty tomb. It's through the cross that sin's price was paid. And it's through the empty tomb that power over sin is given. 
You can't have one without the other. All of it goes with the gospel message. Now in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, the apostle Paul puts great emphasis on the empty tomb and rightly so. This morning I want to answer the questions in verses 14 through 20. What would happen if we didn't have Easter? If we didn't have Easter, what would that mean for us? Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse number 14. Paul says, And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are also found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, that He raised not up, if so be the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is Christ not raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain, and ye are yet in your sins. Everybody see that? Let's look on. He says, Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept? For since by man came, listen, death came by man, came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Lord, I want to thank you for the privilege of putting emphasis on the cross and emphasis on the empty tomb. We understand and realize your resurrection, Lord Jesus, is historical fact that we can trust in. And when we trust in who you are and what you've done, you change our life. And we want to thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for the privilege of standing before an open Bible and sharing your truth. But I realize today I cannot be effective without your power. So Lord, I'm asking first and foremost that you move me out of the way. You use me by your power to do your work. Work on me, work in me, work through me, fill me up and pour me out into the lives of people that are listening to this message. And I'm praying today, Lord, that you would put people in earshot of this message who needs to hear it. Lord, we understand you have the power to work all things out. And we're asking now that you do your work according to your perfect will as your word goes out by your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What would happen if there were no Easter? How many of you ever heard of Harry Houdini? Harry Houdini was a famous magician that died in 1926. Harry Houdini was known as a master of escape. They tried to uh, keep him from escaping from a lot of different things. As a matter of fact, one time they sealed him in a coffin and oh Harry, he escaped. One time they uh, riveted, riveted him into a boiler. I mean, actually riveted him in to the boiler maker and he escaped. One time they sealed him in canvas bags by sewing them shut and he escaped. Another time, he, uh, they, they, they locked him in a milk can. Some of you remember the old milk cans. I can remember my grandmother had several of those. And they put Harry in a milk can, handcuffed, 
and he escaped. Another time they put him in a, a maximum security prison and O'Harry escaped. There was nobody that could keep him from escaping. And then death got a hold of Harry in 1926. And he told his wife right before his, his death, he said, if there's any way of escaping death, I will escape. If there's any way of me coming back, I'm going to come back. And so Harry's wife, believing that if anybody could escape death, he could, she set up uh, uh, really a seance in her home every year on the, on the time of his death. And she'd light a candle and put it under his portrait. And she did that for 10 years after his death. But how many of you know uh, she never saw Harry again? Because once death got a hold of Harry, there was nothing he could do. Now, the, the truth about Easter is this. Death once got a hold of the Lord Jesus Christ. Death got a hold of Jesus and he was put in a borrowed tomb. And we've already sang about this this morning. I'm so very thankful Jesus got a borrowed tomb. And he got a borrowed tomb because he wasn't going to need it long. Listen, they put him in a tomb, sealed it with a rock, put the Roman seal upon the rock. And three days later, by the power of God, Jesus rose from the grave. Death could not hold the Son of God and the God the Son. Jesus came forth from the tomb and that's why we have Easter. Now what if we didn't have Easter? What if that had not happened? That's what Paul is talking to us about right here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. He tells us in verse number 14 that if we did not have Easter, our preaching would be pointless. If we didn't have that first Easter morning and Jesus didn't rise again from the grave, then what I'm saying here this morning would mean nothing and there would be no sense in you listening to what I'm saying. My pre preaching, the Bible said, would be in vain. Look at verse number 14. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain. What does vain mean? Vain means empty, futile, with no purpose, a colossal waste of time. If Jesus did not overcome the grave, then there'd be no point in my preaching. Why? Because I'm called to preach the gospel. Not some of the gospel, not most of the gospel. I'm called to preach the gospel message. Now according to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, starting in, in verse number 3, Paul says the gospel is this, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture, and that he was buried and then he rose again the third day according to the scripture. So what is the message? The gospel message is that Jesus, the Son of God, God the Son, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, died for my sin and your sin and the sins of the whole world. The Bible says he was buried, but praise God, he overcame the grave. It's not that just that he died for our sins, but that he overcome the grave um, that our sins caused. And so... If we don't have the resurrection, if we don't preach the resurrection, then we can't preach the gospel and our preaching would be in vain. Our preaching would be pointless. I was just listening this week, maybe some of you have as well. It was on the History Channel and they were talking about the resurrection of Jesus. Usually during Holy Week, they've got a whole lot of those shows. 
There was a man on there from a Ivy League school and he was supposed to be the head of the religious department and he was actually um, a reverend. That His name was Reverend so-and-so and he got up there and he starts sharing about how he didn't believe that Jesus bodily rose from the grave. Let me tell you something. If you call yourself a preacher and you don't believe Jesus rose from the grave, you need to find a new profession. You need to get out of the pulpit and like Dr. Adrian Rogers says, find you some honest living. <laughs> I want you to understand and know, listen to me, folks. Jesus rose from the grave, and if he did not rise, then my preaching means nothing because the gospel is incomplete. Yes, it took the death of Christ to pay for our sin, but it takes the resurrection from the tomb to give us power over sin. And we're going to see how that works in just a moment. First of all, if there were no Easter, preaching would be pointless. Secondly, if there were no Easter, faith would be foolish. Look again at verse number 14. Watch what the Bible tells us. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching in vain, and our faith is also in vain. What do we believe about Jesus? Well, we believe he died, yes. But we must also believe that he rose again. That the resurrection is historical fact. If you remember a few weeks ago, I shared with you the importance of a right confession of faith. And we looked in the book of Romans, chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, about Paul speaking of a right confession. We looked at what John said in 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 18 about a right confession. We looked in 1 John chapter 4 about a right confession of faith. See, it's important that you know what you believe and why you believe it. In Romans chapter 10, the Bible tells us plainly, verses 9 and 10, we all know this verse, or most of us probably do. The Bible tells us there that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. What do you got to believe? You've got to believe that Jesus died for our sins, but God raised him back up. That's what you must believe. And then the Bible says you need to confess that with your mouth. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse number 10 says, For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's not enough just to believe Jesus died. If all Jesus did was die, then he's no different than all the other religious leaders that we hear about in our world. How many of you know Muhammad died? We can take you to where Muhammad is buried. We can go there. How many of you know Buddha died? We know where he is buried. How many of you understand Joseph Smith died? We know where he is buried. How many of you know Jesus died? And we know where he was buried. <laughs> Praise God. We know where all these other religious leaders are buried. Where their, still, their grave still is. But we know where Jesus was buried in the past tense. He was buried but he didn't stay there. He was put in a tomb. But three days later he rose again. Now why is this so important? Take your Bibles. Look with me in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 4. The Bible says, And he's, Jesus is declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness. Why? 
By the resurrection of the dead. What does it prove about Jesus because he rose from the grave that first Easter morning? It proves he's a lot different than Muhammad. It proves he's a lot different than Buddha. It proves he's a lot different than any other religious leader you can name. For Jesus did die, but he conquered the grave. That means Jesus must be God because only God can do that. We know he's the son of God, Paul says in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 4. He's the son of God and God the son and we know it because of the resurrection. That's why it changed the disciples' lives so greatly. When they saw that empty tomb, they saw what he went through on the cross. They saw the beating he took. They saw him die. But then they walked in that tomb and saw his clothes looking like a cocoon that a butterfly had just left. Slightly indented because Jesus came through the clothes. And I believe he came through the rock wall. See, the the, the stone was not rolled away to let Jesus out. If he can walk through a locked door, he can walk through a stone door. Amen. He he didn't need the rock to be moved to get out. The rock needed to be moved so we could get in. So that everybody could see he did exactly what he claimed he was going to do because he was exactly who he claimed to be. If Jesus is not risen again, then our faith is in vain. Heard a story one time about a little boy who went to his history class and he was sitting there and the teacher said, I want all of you to write an essay on some famous person that you admire. And so many of them wrote about presidents and congressmen and sports heroes and movie stars And she said, the only thing is, whoever you write about, they have to be alive today. And and, and one little boy wrote about Jesus, and he talked about how Jesus died on the cross and how he was buried in the tomb and uh, about his life and all the things he did. And the, the, the teacher, after she had received his essay, called him up and she said, son, the only problem with this is that I ask you to write about someone who is alive. And he said, oh, listen to me, teacher. He is alive. And I'm telling you this morning, He went to the grave, but he didn't stay there. And if he's not alive, our faith is in vain. Dolly Parton said it real well. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive and my sins are forgiven. Heaven's gates are open wide. Why? Because he's alive. He's alive. If he's not alive, if there is no Easter, our preaching is pointless. Our faith is futile. Let me tell you something else. The disciples are deceived and have become deceivers. Look with me right here. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And look down. At verse number 15. Watch this. Yea and we are also found false witnesses of God. Because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ. Whom he raised not up if the dead rise not. So let me tell you what Paul is saying. He says, if if Jesus is not alive, if there is no Easter, then 
Everybody who's been preaching this stuff, Paul says, me included, have become deceived and we've become deceivers. See what Paul is saying, if there is no resurrection, then I'm lying to everybody. And Paul says, I become a false witness. What is a false witness? A false witness is someone who uh, sits in the, in, the, uh, in the witness chair and willingly, knowingly perjures himself. He knows the truth, but he don't tell the truth. And so what Paul is saying, if Jesus is not alive, then I am knowingly, willingly speaking lies. Now, how do we know? How do we know? that they was not knowingly, willingly speaking a lie about the resurrection. I'll tell you how I believe. I'll tell you what I believe. Hypocrites and heroes, hypocrites and witnesses are not cut from the same cloth. They're really not. See, there's a lot of men who will live for a lie, but very few will die for a lie. One of the greatest evidences that the resurrection is true, a historical fact, is that these men were willing to give their life when they didn't have to. Again, all they had to do was shut up about Jesus. All they had to do was quit preaching this gospel. All they had to do was quit rocking the boat. But Peter said, I cannot help but share what I have seen and heard. Listen how John put it, another disciple, another apostle who saw Jesus alive. 1 John chapter number 1, I love this verse. I want you to take your pen, your marker, whatever you're taking notes with. I hope you are taking notes at home. 1 John chapter number 1, verses 1 through 3. You need to underline these verses. Look what the Bible says. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, which our hands have handled, the word of life. Let me tell you what John is saying. Jesus, the Son of God and God the Son, was from the beginning. We've seen him, we've heard him, we've handled him with our own hands. I know he's real because I saw him. I heard him. I handled him. John wasn't the only one. There were 500 others documented that saw him alive, heard him speak after the resurrection. Verse 2. For the life was manifested, we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. You cannot fellowship with someone who's dead. Let me tell you why. Dead men do nothing. John says, I can fellowship with Jesus. Why? Because he's alive. How does John know it? I saw him. I heard him. I handled him. After he rose again. As a believer, let me tell you how I know Jesus is alive. I could give you all of these Answers that I have been given. I'm going to keep giving them because they're good sound arguments. They logically make sense. See, my faith is not based upon a leap in the dark. My faith is based upon fact backed up by eyewitness accounts. Amen. 
But on a personal level, I know Jesus is alive because I spoke with him this morning. The old hymn song says, he walks with me. He talks with me. I talk to him, but when I'm ready to listen, he talks to me in several different ways. Now, I've never heard God audibly speak, but I heard one man say it was louder than that. God speaks to your spirit. God speaks to you in that still, small voice in a way that only God can do it, where you know it's him. He leads, he guides, he directs. He comforts through the person of the Holy Spirit living in us. Jesus is alive. If there are no Easter, our preaching is pointless. Our faith is futile. The disciples have become deceived and are deceivers. But let me tell you something else. If there is no Easter, sin still reigns superior. Look at verse number 17. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain, and ye are yet in your sins. Let me tell you what gave the stamp of approval. That God was pleased with the sacrifice Jesus made. That Jesus was actually who he claimed to be. See, if Jesus is not who he claimed to be, then he can't die for sin. We talked about it Friday night. We talked about it during our, our uh, Good Friday service. If Jesus is not the perfect, spotless Lamb of God, the Son of God and God the Son, who came in, in, in the flesh of a man to do for men what men can't do for themselves. If that's not true, then Jesus cannot die for our sin and it be acceptable to a holy God. He can't. What gave the stamp of approval that the payment for sin was enough at the cross? I'll tell you what it was. The empty tomb. The empty tomb. That was all proven that Jesus was exactly who he claimed to be and that, listen to me, the sacrifice made was enough. Romans chapter 4, Paul says it plainly. We've been studying the book, book of Romans. Man, it's blessed my soul on Wednesday nights. We'll be back there Wednesday night. I hope and pray that you can join us as we get into the book of Romans chapter number 7. But Romans chapter 4, verse number 25, listen what Paul says. Paul says, we, who, who, meaning Jesus, was delivered for our offenses. Watch this now. He was delivered for our offenses, for our sin. But watch, was raised again for our justification. Now, hang on a minute. We've been talking a whole lot about justification, so. Can you see that, brother? We've been talking a whole lot about justification, so I, I want to share this with you. Justification is the act of God whereby he considers the believing sinner righteous based upon the, what's this? See this word? finished work of Jesus the gospel message is complete because of the resurrection that's why Paul says Romans 4.25 Jesus was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification wow if 
Easter doesn't happen if there, are, if there were no Easter. Preaching would be pointless. Faith would be foolish. The disciples would be deceived and be deceivers. Sin would be superior. Number five, death would dominate. Everybody look with me down to verse number, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's get back over there. And look with me down at verse number 18. Then they also which are asleep in Christ are perished. He says, if, if, if there are no resurrection from the dead, then those who are dead died in their sins. They're perishing. They're eternally separated from God. Because it took the res resurrection to bring justification. For us to be made right, for our sins to be forgiven. So what he's saying is, death is still dominating if there is no resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Now we know that's not true according to the rest of Scripture. First Thessalonians chapter number 4, look what the Apostle Paul says. I love this. First Thessalonians chapter 4, he, he speaks to us here about the coming of the Lord, the rapture, and what's going to happen when Jesus comes and raptures his church from this world. Verse number 16 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. See, the Bible says that when a Christian dies, our last breath on earth is followed by our first breath in heaven. Amen? To be absent from this body, Paul says in the book of Philippians, is to be present with the Lord. And so we need to understand when we die, we just change addresses. We go from being here present in this earthly body to being with the Lord in our spirit. Our spirit, our soul that has been saved goes to be with the Lord. Now this fleshly body we know goes back to the dust from whence it came. Our spirit goes to be with the Lord. That which makes us us. That which makes us laugh and talk and sing and believe like we believe in who we are, that goes to be with the Lord. And this earthly tabernacle, this tent of dwelling, Paul calls it, goes back to the dust from whence it came. But there's coming a day when Jesus will return with the trump of God. And I believe that day is soon. There's coming a day when Jesus will return with the trump of God. Listen, the trump will sound with the voice of the archangel, the Bible says, and then the dead in Christ shall rise first. What does that mean? Those who have died in Jesus and been laid in the grave will be raised up so that they might receive their new glorified body. And then those that are alive and remain will be quickly changed, the Bible says, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and we shall ever be with the Lord. Death does not dominate because Jesus conquered death. And now all, listen to me, all who trust in him conquers death as well. Not because of who we are and what we've done, but because of who he is. Let me give you the last one. If there is no Easter, if Jesus had not risen from the dead, you need to understand, folks, that the future, my future, your future, our future, would be futile. You can't get me to believe 
that we're just a glob of tissue brought about by millions of years and random chance. And the only hope we have is a hole in the ground. I can't believe that. Because I look around at all God has done. And the bigness, if that's the right word, the complexity of the universe, the human spirit and soul, the moral standard we all have deep down within us. When, I, when we put all that together, there has to be more to this than just a hole in the ground. Now, if, if Jesus did not conquer the hole in the ground, then our future is futile. It really is. Look at verse number 18, 1 Corinthians 15. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ, they are perished. In this, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. See, folks, we have a future as those who have trusted in Jesus, His finished work, His life, His death, His burial, and His resurrection. We have hope in Jesus, listen, not only for a better life here, eternal life which is abundant life here, but also eternal life with Him in heaven. Scientists tell us that energy never dissipates, it just changes. When we leave this walk of life, energy does not dissipate, energy changes to a new address. Now, the Bible says this listen, all of us will live for an eternity somewhere either we will eternally live separated from God in a devil's hell because our sin debt has not been forgiven or we can live for an eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ and all of that is determined on the decision you make to trust in Jesus. I'm going to tell you something. Because of the resurrection, your sins can be forgiven. You can have abundant life here in this earth, eternal life throughout eternity. But the only way you can truly be saved is just how Peter put it. There is no other name under heaven whereby men might be saved except the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You must trust in His finished work. His work was finished that Easter morning. He conquered the grave. And because of that, we have a future. There's an old hymn song that says, Because He lives... I can face tomorrow.
Because he lives, all fear is gone. It's because Jesus lives. I can live. We can live. If we'll only trust him. I can't think of a better day for you to accept Jesus. I can't think of a better day for you to accept Jesus than right now. Right now. On Easter. Wouldn't that be awesome? So what I want to do during this time is just give you the opportunity to do so. Now, I do believe in a confession of faith because the Bible teaches a confession of faith. We just read it. Romans 10, 9 and 10. I can give you some more scripture in 1 John chapter 2. I can give you some more scripture in 1 John chapter 4. We, we can give you more scripture all throughout the New Testament where people make a confession of faith. People call upon the Lord. So today, I invite you to do that. Everything that needs to be accomplished for you to be saved has been done by Jesus. Now the Bible says you need to trust in Him. If you want to do that right now, I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads wherever you are. You don't have to be in a church to be saved. God is not hindered by four walls. He's right there with you. And He's able to make a difference in your heart and life if you'll trust Him. Now I'm going to lead you in what we call a sinner's prayer. We're going to lead you in a confession of faith. Now you're not praying to me and you're not praying for me. I cannot save you. But I promise you the same Jesus who has saved me can and will save you if you'll trust him today. Let's do that. You follow me and you, you're not praying to me. You're praying to him. And I'm telling you. If you get real with him, he'll get real with you. Lord Jesus. I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin separates me from you. I believe today that you paid the penalty for my sin. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And I ask you to save me. I give you all I've got for as long as I've got. Thank you, Jesus, for doing for me what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer this morning for the first time and you know that the Lord's done a work in your heart and your life. I want you to contact us. Let us know. We can be praying for you. We want to help you. We want to be there for you. If you're this morning have any other prayer requests that you stand in need of. I, there's a lot of things going on today, whether it be physical sickness or job loss or just plain worry and fear. And, and, and you just need someone to pray with you. We're always available. You can message us there on our Facebook page. You can, you can call me. You can text me. I, if you need groceries, however we can help you, we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We want to help you. Let me give you my number again, 205-442-4523. Whatever you need, I want you to know God is able. Let me pray for you and we'll be dismissed. Father God, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. We thank you so much for the truth of your word. Lord, I am so thankful that we have Easter. 
For without Easter, we have no hope. Thank you, Jesus, that you've done for us what only you can do. Help us, Lord, not to just live like it's Easter one day a year, but remember, because of your finished work, we have life every day, and we should be living in a way that pleases you. Help us, Lord, to remember what it means to be your hands and be your feet. And Lord, I pray for those this morning who have uh, trusted in you for the first time, God, that you would begin a work in their heart and life like I know you can and I know you will to accomplish your goodwill and purpose and bring glory to yourself. For you alone are worthy of our glory, praise and worship in Jesus' name. Amen.